Blog Talk Radio. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, what's up, what's up? My Take Radio episode 40, 40 episodes in the hole for Thursday, April 29th, 2010. Tonight's intro music was Street Fighter II, Frets of Fury. The artist is Vertex Guy, V-E-R-T-E-X Guy, and you can download that as well as any other tracks that you've heard on ocremix.org. That's the letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The call-in number, as always, 347-324-3541 are the seven magic digits for the show. Um, first off, last week, of course, we had guests. A lot of stuff got left out. Um, the MMA and wrestling news from last week, I am not going to recap just because not relevant. Um, there's definitely going to be some video game stuff I'm going to cover from last week. Um, so if you've heard it before, I apologize, but it's just some shit I definitely wanted to share my opinion about. Same thing with movies, tons of just random awfulness that has happened, and um, that stuff will be covered as well, along with this week's topics. First off, a little housekeeping as always. Uh, the ads, you know the deal, you know what to do, you know where they are. Uh, show your support. Do the right thing. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, the forums. The forums are in full swing, lots of stuff going on. Um, we had our first forum contest winner. Congratulations to Alex Williams, who won his very own copy of Super Street Fighter IV. Uh, props to Slick for putting that together and running the ball with it. So definitely want to give him props for that. And props to Alex for being our forum winner. Mortis won the Street Fighter, I mean the... Um, MMA contest um, a few weeks back, and I didn't give him his props, so Mortis also had won the UFC Fight Picks uh, contest, and he will be getting his prize in another week or so. Um, right now, there is talk of a Street Fighter Four tournament. Um, definitely stop by the MyTake Radio forum so you can see what that's all about, and if you haven't registered, what are you waiting for? Definitely stop by, uh, show your support, and link up with some of the other regulars that listen to the show. Uh, the Facebook fan page has surpassed 125 fans already. I believe we're at 126, 127. Um, definitely keep spreading the word, folks. You guys are doing a great job getting awareness out there for the show, and I appreciate it. Also, um, surpassed 4,000 listens on Blog Talk Radio. Wouldn't be possible without any of you out there um, showing your support and listening to the show every week. So, again, thanks for that. We're well beyond 15,000 downloads from the web and iTunes as well. So if you are getting the show from iTunes, definitely take less than five minutes, go in there, give us a rating and a review, and continue to show your support. That's pretty much it. Let's uh, get into a rundown of tonight's topics. I'm going to talk about 
Uh, Aldo versus Faber, the WEC pay-per-view, was a tremendous success. We're going to talk about the Ultimate Fighter. We're going to talk about a couple of people that got released from WWE this week. Um, definitely going to cover the Tito Ortiz-Jenna Jameson incident because a total fucking circus that is. Um, we're going to talk about the WWE draft, um, a couple of things regarding TNA as well. We're going to talk about Square Enix a little bit, a little bit about Madden, definitely some movie news, Avatar whooping ass on the Blu-ray front. We're going to talk about How to Train Your Dragon being number one in the box office and some of the box office totals and your calls as always. So with that, let's talk a little MMA first. First off, Dave Meltzer reported that Randy Couture will be meeting James Tony at UFC 118 August 28th in Brockton, Mass. Um, I'm actually very excited to see this fight. James Tony's been talking a lot of shit, um, trying to make it go down. And he said, you know, he's got knockout power. He's willing to fight anybody. And, um, of course, they give him Randy Couture first, who, of course, had said he wanted to have this fight. I think it's a win-win either way. For James Tony, if he wins, he shows that he, he can make it in MMA, even though he's older, he's in his 40s. For Randy Couture, it will be a little damaging because it will just show that, you know, a, a guy with limited MMA experience can come in there and stand the puncher's chance. Nonetheless, you can call it a freak show fight if you want, but I think it's very intriguing to see a lot of boxers slowly migrate into MMA. It's happened already with Ricardo Mayorga, who's going to be meeting Dean Thomas, and, of course, now with James Tony. Now it's just a matter of waiting to see if Manny Pacquiao or Floyd Mayweather make the transition to MMA as well. In other fight news, UFC 116 is already set up with Brock Lesnar defending his heavyweight championship against interim champion Shane Carwin. That was made official, and that will be July 3rd at Vegas. They're going to unify the belts. One of those big guys is definitely going to kill the other one. It's just a matter of seeing who does the job. Definitely something worth seeing. Um, MMA Junkie reported that Brendan Schaub is going to be meeting Chris Teixeira at UFC 116 as well. As of right now, this is the tentative card. You've got Brock Lesnar fighting Shane Carwin. You've got Yoshihiro Akayama fighting Vandalay Silva, which is going to be a fantastic fight. Kurt Pellegrino's on that card. Czech Congo's rumored to be fighting Roy Big Country Nelson. Um, Stefan Bonner's going to fight Christoph Szczynski. Brendan Schaub, of course, is going to be fighting Chris Teixeira. Matt Brown is going to fight Chris Lytle. Kendall Grove is on the card as well. Overall, I think it'll be a solid card. Just the title fight alone and the co-main event with Akiyama and Silva will definitely be badass. Um, Spike TV also announced that the main event for the Team Liddell versus Team Ortiz um, finale is going to be Matt Hamill. He will be fighting against, uh, of course, Tough Enough alumni, fellow alumni, I should say, Keith Jardine. That's going to be happening uh, in uh, June 19th, as a matter of fact, is the Ultimate Fighter finale. Got my notes a little messed up. Nonetheless, um, I'm actually looking forward to seeing Hamill fight. You know, he, he got injured in the John Bones Jones fight. And he just a, he's a great wrestler. He's a great success story, you know, as being a disabled athlete, uh, making his way through the sport of mixed martial arts. I definitely, it, it's always inspir- inspiring to watch him fight. And I, I'm looking forward to it. Also, Strikeforce took the opportunity and announced a couple of their fights for the main for the uh, main 15th, May 15th event. You got Alistair Overeem; he's going to be defending his belt against Brett Rogers. 
Andre Arlovsky is going to be fighting Antonio Bigfoot Silva on that card. Uh, Ronaldo Jacare Souza is going to be fighting uh, Joe Villasenor. Roger Gracie is going to be fighting Kevin Randleman. and I definitely want to see that. And um, Antoine Britt is going to be fighting Fei Zhao as well. Overall, solid card from Strike Force. They definitely got to erase the little blemish from the Mayhem Miller little situation. And I honestly am looking forward to this fight. Brett Rogers has great stand-up. Overeem has always been just a great fighter all the way from his pride days. And I want to see how Andre Arlovsky fares. Um, it's one of those things that, um, to me at least, uh, Andre Arlovsky has been getting a bum rap, you know, after the um, the incident with Fedor, uh, the rumored suicide attempt. Uh, he, he's a guy I enjoy watching him fight. He's got great stand-up, ton of potential. Uh, overall, I'm excited to see it go down. So if you want to check that out, that's going to be May 15th. And um, I don't know if it's going to be on CBS or Showtime. I'll definitely have that um, probably for next week's broadcast. Now, the Tito Ortiz incident. Um, for those of you that follow MMA, you may have heard that Tito Ortiz was recently arrested for domestic violence against his living girlfriend, a.k.a. Baby Mama, a.k.a. former adult film star Jenna Jameson. Of course, it's been rumored that uh, Tito, the story's changed so much, it makes my fucking head spin. Um, the fact of the matter is that according to all the different news articles I've seen and all the different talk, pretty much Tito Ortiz found out that Jenna Jameson may or may not have been using OxyContin. Um, there was a, a huge dispute, so to speak. Uh, Tito Ortiz allegedly got physical uh, Jenna Jameson called the cops. Tito walked out. Cops picked him up, threw his ass in jail. He posted bail, did a press conference, said that she was addicted to OxyContin, and, of course, she disputed that, took a drug test, tested negative, and now all of a sudden everybody's blowing everybody, which, you know, given the line of, let me shut up. I'm not even going to use that because that's a really crass joke. But nonetheless, um, the fact of the matter is everybody's all hunky-dory now. Tito Ortiz, you know, was made to look like a fucking asshole if it's true that he didn't hit her. And the fact is that she ended up looking like a liar. Her story's changed now twice. Um, she paraded her kids in front of the paparazzi after getting her quote-unquote ass beat. Um, of course, Twitter was a flutter with commentary from Tito not winning fights to finally winning, to winning one against a 100-pound girl. Look, I'm not going to go into the specifics or he said, she said. It's, it's all bullshit. The way I see it is this. TMZ, of course, is ready and willing and able to go and get the really, really shitty stories and post them up there. And if Tito hit her, of course, that makes him a scumbag and he loses me as a fan. If he didn't do it and she's addicted to drugs, I'm not surprised because I actually read Jenna Jameson's autobiography and the fact of the matter is that um, she did have a drug problem. You know, she has, she, it's in her book. So, you know, maybe she did use a little oxy, maybe she didn't. Um, it's been said that the pills that were found at the time were old pills. She wasn't on any. Um, there was a little bit of overreacting. And, of course, lawyers are saying this is a whole big misunderstanding. Well, you know what? Being dragged out in cuffs is not a fucking misunderstanding. Let's start with that. 
you know, being fingerprinted, photographed, your reputation sullied, your livelihood potentially getting destroyed if they, you know, if he did hit her and Dana White cuts him from the UFC. It's, it's a total fucking fuck up. I'm actually washing my hands of the whole story. I just wanted to give my opinion on it because it's total bullshit. I, I personally think that the the press, of course, blew this out of proportion to monstrous levels, and, of course, Tito getting arrested didn't help matters either. Nonetheless, hopefully it'll all get sorted out. Tito will fight in the UFC, hopefully against Chuck, and we can put that behind us, and um, they can get this shit cleared up because they got two kids together. So definitely the best of luck to both of them. Moving on into some other shit that I wanted to discuss. Oh, of course, I wanted to talk Uriah Faber and... Um, how the press automatically discounts him and throws him in the fucking trash based on the previous events from the MMA pay-per-view for the WEC. fact of the matter is, I'll get into it a little bit and recap some of it. Um, the main event was Jose Aldo fighting Uriah Faber. I'll start there just because that fight in particular was a fantastic fight. It was WEC's first foray into pay-per-view. They did a fantastic job. I got to say that the, that the card that was given on free TV was fantastic. Leonard Garcia fighting the Korean zombie. If you are not an MMA fan, look this fight up. YouTube, any of that shit, look it up. Because that fight, if you're not a fan, will make you a fan. Yeah, the ending can be taken for what it was, and I'm not going to spoil it, but the fact is that the fight was fantastic from start to finish. Those guys beat the shit out of each other, and I was really impressed with the WEC. I mean, I've watched their events before on Versus, but not with, not with the enthusiasm that I got into this card in particular, just because it was all great fights from start to finish. In regards to the Uriah Faber incident, he was um, fighting Jose Aldo for the featherweight championship, and the fact of the matter is that Uriah Faber definitely got his ass whooped by Jose Aldo. I will say that Aldo is, I'd like to call him the WEC equivalent of Anderson Silva. I'm just using that term to not get into specifics, but solid fight from start to finish, just a dynamite main event, and um, Jose Aldo showed he's, he's the real deal. There's rumors of him dropping down to a lower weight class to try and get a championship at that weight class. There's even rumors of him going into the UFC and trying to fight at 155. Overall, very impressed I was with Jose Aldo. If you're on Twitter, definitely look, look up Uriah Faber. The pictures that he's been putting up of his leg from the leg kicks that he took were some of the most devastatingly disgusting pics I've ever seen. His leg has changed colors more so than a rainbow. It's ridiculous. It was super black, then blue, then yellow, then green. This was the impact that those leg kicks, that Jose Aldo delivered those leg kicks. It was ridiculous from start to finish, and uh, definitely just a great performance by both guys, and that brings me into this little bit of news. Um, a guy named Victor Contreras from the Sacramento Bee decided to take it upon himself to say that Uriah Faber, based on his recent performance should retire. He feels that 
you know, the writer feels that Faber will never be able to defeat Aldo and reposition himself as the top featherweight in the world. Um, Uriah Faber has an 8-3 record overall. He's dropped three out of his last five fights. For this guy to sit there and write him off and call for him to retire is definitely fucking stupid. We, you know, every athlete is entitled to hit little bumps. And not only that, the level of competition has definitely been stepped up over the years. And the fact is that he lost so fucking what? But to tell the guy to hang it up is really fucking stupid. And if you are not um, a follower of MMA or a real legit MMA journalist, then you really shouldn't go and make that sort of an assessment. I just feel that there that it wasn't warranted and it wasn't valid, especially if you don't follow the sport. Not to say that Mr. Contreras does or does not follow it, but the fact that he's making that sort of an assessment is ridiculous. I honestly think that Faber needs to definitely go back, you know, tighten up his training a little bit, and, and he'll come back. He may once again be featherweight champion. Right now, Jose Aldo's that guy, just like Anderson Silva's that guy in the UFC, but eventually somebody's going to figure out that puzzle, and they're going to get put to sleep. That's the way I see it. Either Aldo's going to get put to sleep soon or he's going to be a dominant champion and go to the UFC, but Uriah Faber will have the featherweight championship again. And if he doesn't, he'll just drop down to 145 and get that belt. The kid has a ton of talent, and I personally found this guy's opinion to be utter rubbish. With that being said, the rest of the WEC card was great too. I definitely, I'm not going to go into it too much, but I got to say that the lightweight title fight between Donald Cerrone and Ben Henderson was fantastic. Ben Henderson won the fight with a guillotine in round one. Definitely enjoyed it. Both of those guys have excellent potential. Even if they make the jump to the UFC, which are the rumors that are going around, those guys are just, they're going to be just great additions to an already stacked lightweight UFC roster. Um, shit. Of course... I lose most of my notes because my laptop wants to be stupid. But I did want to talk about Manny Gambirian and Mike Brown. Um, Manny Gambirian, of course, was on The Ultimate Fighter. He's fought in the UFC. He's fighting at featherweight in the WEC. Came out, knocked out Mike Brown with strikes in round one. Great fight. Of course, people all of, all of, all of a sudden were making excuses. Oh, Mike Brown had a lot of personal problems, blah, blah, blah. And... I, I, I liked what Mike Brown did. He said, look, personal problems did not affect my performance, and at the end of the day, I lost. That was it. I definitely respect that, and I appreciate the fact that Mike Brown went up, and he's like, look, man, I lost. It happens, and that's it. I definitely liked uh, Gambirian at featherweight. He, he moved really well. He's definitely really big for that division, and he, he did a great job. Um, title contention, not too sure. You never know, but definitely a solid performance. Also, um, got to talk a little bit of the uh, Antonio ben Benuelos and Scott Jorgensen fight. Definitely wanted to see that fight because it was very enjoyable. Um, I had to actually search around for some highlights because for some reason um, the bit of the pay-per-view that I did catch either didn't have it or my cable box was being really stupid or it wasn't televised. I, I don't know. I had to actually go and find clips and highlights and try and piece it together to get the, the full scoop on that fight. Definitely from what I saw, I enjoyed from start to finish. I got to say, Jorgensen came out, unanimous decision. He definitely did take uh, round two and round three, 
Um, Benuelos, to me, took round one. Solid fight. I definitely want to see Benuelos fight again. He made me a fan. This was my first time seeing him fight, and I, I really enjoyed it. So I'm definitely going to try and tune into his fights in the future. Um, am I missing anything else? Oh, yeah, UFC welterweight Brian Foster broke his leg, his left tibia, and dislocated his ankle on Wednesday. He was expected to be fighting on the UFC 116 card, but the doctors are telling him he won't be able to fight until August. And with that said, I think that's going to wrap up this week's MMA news. I'm going to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to talk some wrestling. Hey, everybody, this is Donnie Anderson from Tumbling with Tumbleweed, and I'm here with my daughter, Sophia, who has a very special message for all of you. Sophie? <gasps> Listen to Tumbling with Tumbleweed, or my daddy will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will. Live Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Blog Talk Radio Network. All right, and we're back. Let's talk a little wrestling. First off, a lot of people got the boot from WWE last week. Didn't really get a chance to elaborate on it. Nonetheless, WWE booted the following. WWE Diva, Mickey James, got the boot. Katie Lee Burchill, got the boot. Shelton Benjamin, see you later. Kung Fu Naki, Kung Fu yo ass on out of here. Slam Master J, beat it. Jimmy Wang Yang, out the door as well. All of them got released, and um, it's unfortunate. I mean, Mickey James, talented diva, but she was already kind of looking for her exit with her country music career. Katie Lee Burchill, I feel, didn't, did not get a fair shake um, during her tenure in WWE. For some reason, I will see her. I have a feeling we'll be seeing her in TNA. Shelton Benjamin, he just he great athlete, just shitty on the mic. And then they just couldn't do nothing with him. I think that his best work was when him and Charlie Haas were the world's greatest tag team. And Charlie Haas is a free agent. Shelton Benjamin is now a free agent. TNA, do the math, bring those guys in, find them a manager, because neither one of those guys can talk very well on the mic, but they're wrestling top-notch. I really was bummed out to hear that Shelton Benjamin got the boot. Uh, Funaki, that guy's been there since God knows how long. I've watched him since I was a kid, pretty much, when he was in Kai and Tai. And the fact that he lasted this long is insane. It boggles my mind. Um, Slam Master J, um, being the son of, of Terry Gordy, didn't help you. And he, he didn't get a fair shake either. I mean, his little uh, foray into tag team wrestling with Festus when they were Jesse and Festus was um, comedic and enjoyable. But it, other than that, we didn't get to see any other dimensions to his character. When they turned him into Slam Master J, I guess trying to hope that John Cena, uh, the John Cena hip-hop vibe would rub off on him, it failed miserably, especially in all his skits with Crime Time. Jimmy Wang Yang, great cruiserweight. Um, he did really good with Shannon Moore for most of their tag team wrestling matches. I was bummed to see him go, but I'll probably see him in TNA as well. It's unfortunate that these guys are so talented, and, you know, we got to watch you know, milk blood fucking Seamus every week instead of, you know, Benjamin, Jimmy Wang Yang, even Mickey James, but shit happens, man, in, in the crazy universe that is WWE. Nonetheless, uh, the draft was on Monday. As such, WWE decided 
all right, let's shake up the rosters a little bit. Monday Night Raw ended up getting the better end of the deal. They actually um, picked up a lot of talent. Uh, they picked up Chris Jericho. They picked up Edge. They picked up R-Truth. They picked up John Morrison. Um, Christian got drafted to SmackDown. Kofi Kingston got sent to SmackDown. Uh, the Big Show got sent to SmackDown, as did Kelly Kelly. Now, one of the reasons that SmackDown did not fare so well is because in October they will be moving to the Sci-Fi Network, and there will be no more Smack, uh, WWE programming on broadcast television. I don't know how successful that's going to be, but they figured let's stack up Raw, and then we'll do a renewed push for SmackDown in October. The people that got drafted to SmackDown in the supplemental draft um, definitely – some good, some bad, um, as Raw, again, fared out good. Uh, the great Kali and Ranjin Singh got drafted from SmackDown to Raw. Chavo Guerrero got sent from Raw to SmackDown. Cody Rhodes got sent to SmackDown. Natalia got moved to Raw, which I think is really good, especially for the women's division. Chris Masters got sent to SmackDown. Nobody gives a shit. Ezekiel Jackson got moved to Raw, which means that when he comes back from his torn quad, he will be getting a push. I guarantee it. Goldust got moved from SmackDown to Raw. Hornswoggle got moved from Raw to SmackDown. Nobody gives a shit. He should have got released, too, because that comedy shit is wearing out really fast. Rosa Mendez got sent from Raw to SmackDown. Uh, the Hart Dynasty got moved to Raw, which is fine, because those guys are great as a tag team. And MVP got sent to SmackDown. MVP going to SmackDown is perfect just because he got no love on Raw. His bullshit-ass tag team with Mark Henry was full of fail from start to finish. So see you later, MVP. I hope that they uh, give you some sort of a title when you move over to SmackDown. In some TNA news, Homicide was on the Busted Open satellite radio show earlier this week, and they asked him a couple of questions about TNA management. Um, Homicide, the notorious 187, is one of my favorite wrestlers, and the questions he was asked, he answered as follows. Does he have confidence in TNA management? His response, I have no faith in nobody. It's like somebody telling me every six or eight months that they're going to give me a call and nothing happens. I want my money every Monday. I want, he goes, I want my money every Monday and we'll see what happens. In regards to that, personally, I feel that, that Homicide is a very underused talent. He has a great gimmick, great persona. He has a lot of great cruiserweight moves. Um, Family-friendly, not so much. But you know what? TNA is trying to make a, a statement with their programming, and you need Homicide on there. Throw him in there with the X Division guys to mix it up. Um, there's rumors that they're going to put him back with uh, LAX, former LAX tag team partner, of course, Hernandez. I don't know if they're going to do that. I honestly think that Homicide can shine on his own. The guy did great work in Ring of Honor. He did his thing. It was, it was just one of those things where, yeah, you know, he didn't do so good in the Terradome match. Oh, well. When asked about who's the boss in TNA, he says, Dixie's the boss. She'll say, bring in this guy or that guy. But I don't know who the real boss is. I don't know if it's Russo. I don't know if it's Hogan or the Jabroni security guards. I don't know who my real boss is. When asked about backstage politics, he said, there's a lot of political BS going on. I don't know what's going on. All I know is I'm going to, I'm going to go out there, get paid, and take care of my family. When asked about, Hulk, about meeting Hulk Hogan, he responded, Hogan does come out and talk to the guys. He spoke to me about where I came from, why my name is Homicide, and why I have this character, and he loved it. I'm like, okay, you like it, but do something about it. I have to agree, a lot of the stuff that's been going on in TNA as of late has been a lot of 
backstage bullshit, a lot of shit with a lot of the old guys. There is a renewed push now to push some of the younger guys and some of the younger talent. But then you do shit with Abyss and Ric Flair coming out being a psychopath and bleeding everywhere. Look, I love Ric Flair as much as the next guy, but him just coming around, you're going to die, Abyss, and trying to bite the, the uh, Hall of Fame ring off his finger is just not the Ric Flair I want to remember. I want to remember the Ric Flair that went in there and put it down with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, the Ric Flair that fought Shawn Michaels, dirtiest player in the game, Ric Flair, four horsemen, Ric Flair, not Ric Flair in a wheelchair fucking screaming like Al Pacino in Rain Man. And the fact that I can pretty much see his scalp because his hair is so thin is just as bad. Ric Flair is like that really crazy uncle that your parents didn't want you around when you were a kid. That's Ric Flair now. He's not the legend that I remember. And personally, I really don't want to see him on TV anymore. Help out. Mentor some young talent. Manage somebody. But don't, don't make it about you because you're fucking going to die in there one day. It's absurd. Um, it seems my nephew has a, uh, a comment about the Amazing Red. I definitely agree the Amazing Red is an amazing wrestler. TNA just fails to recognize that. Don't think I don't see that in the chat, man. Um, and to close out wrestling, Wayne Brady's going to host Raw this week. That obviously means that Wayne Brady is going to choke a bitch. With that said, let's take another quick commercial break, and we'll go into some video game news right after this. Radio.com. That's where you'll find our radio show. Rich, you dig it, don't you? Yeah, man. He digs it. How come you don't dig it? Fuck you. Get on the internet. BornStuckinRadio.com Rat bastards. All right, and we're back. Let's talk some video games. Last week, I was unable to discuss the 7-Eleven going into used video game sales. Of course, I have mixed reactions about this, but let me give you guys a little bit of the rundown. 7-Eleven is going to be partnering with a company called Game Trading Technologies to offer used games at over 3,000 stores. The selection is being branded Great Games at $20. Um, Game Trading Technologies is hoping to implement this starting in September. Based on what was said, uh, the manager of seven, the, one of the executives from 7-Eleven said the following, We partner with GTT because of their experience and expertise as a third-party provider of video games and the terrific selection they offer our customers. More than 60% of U.S. households now have at least one video game console, and consumers are searching for convenient ways to stretch their entertainment dollar in this challenging economy. It is true, but you have to look at it like this, and this was something that I referenced in the article I put on uh, MyTakeRadio.com a few, uh, I'd say about two weeks ago. I have no issue with 7-Eleven getting into the used game market because anything that allows a, a a retailer to stick their hands in GameStop's pockets puts a sick, sadistic smile on my face. The fact of the matter is that there's nothing wrong with being able to walk into a 7-Eleven and buy a used game that's good and in great shape for $20. My concern stems from the fact that I feel that 7-Eleven employees are not going to be trained adequately for any games that may sneak under the radar that are M-rated or for people that go in there and ask questions about a game expecting some sort of feedback or buyer recommendation. It's pretty much going to be Quickie Mart guy selling you a 360 game. Hey, how's this game? Oh, my friend, I don't know. I don't know how this game is. It's uh, Xbox 360. That's it. That's what you're going to get. 
and I, I really don't want anybody that's Indian to take that as an, off- as an offense, but look, let's be real. You walk into a 7-Eleven, it's predominantly Indian-owned. Let's, let, let's, keep it, let's keep it real, just like you walk into a bodega and it's owned by Spanish people. So anybody that's offended, I'm fucking sorry. But look, the fact is, if there's proper training being done and there's even a semblance of, of understanding from some sort of a rep in 7-Eleven, I really have no problem with it. But you know what concerns me is the fact that games are rated and a kid can walk into a 7-Eleven and buy an M-rated game that happens to be 20 bucks. The parent is going to complain. 7-Eleven is going to be like, you know, fuck you. We got 20 bucks, and that's going to be it. And I don't know if that's going to end up doing more harm than good. It's, it's really ridiculous because you have to look at that, and that's something that concerns me that nobody brought to 7-Eleven's attention. It's like what type of, of training and um, – you know, question and answers, are you going to have your reps be able to answer? When you walk into a 7-Eleven, nine times out of ten, it's to buy something to drink, buy some cigarettes, play some lotto, possibly use an ATM, and keep it moving. That's what those guys want. You come in, you buy what you're going to buy, and you leave. They're not there to tell you about allergic reactions, you know, whether that extends drink that you're drinking really works. They're not there for that shit. It's all about and Angel said it best. It's all about thank you, come again. That's it. It's you, give me my fucking squishy, give me a pack of Newports, give me a hot dog, thank you, come again. You know, if you go in there and you go, hey, man, um, are the graphics on this game any good? No, I don't know, I don't know. It looks really nice on the box. It's $20. That's really it. it I just feel that it's going to do more harm than good in the long run. If there's going to be some education involved, I really see it being successful but right now, not too enthused. And it looks like we have our first caller, and I think it's Slick because I see the hand raised. Slick, what do you got? Yeah, what's up, man? Uh, what do you got? With the Seven Eleven thing, I think the training is going to stop at don't sell M-rated games to un- underage people because there's laws against that. So that's the only reason why that's going to be in place. So that's that's the one thing that you probably won't see. You, you that, think so, man? I mean, you can go in. The, I've seen kids go into 7-Eleven and buy stoves, man. What the fuck are we kidding? Well, do you I think some... Do you, every day and buy stoves. Exactly. Do you think some dude that's in there making seven forty seven an hour or eight twenty five an hour is going to give a shit? He's going to give a fuck about selling the game and keeping it moving. That I feel that if they do have some sort of training, half these fuckers won't get it, and half won't care. You know, it's thank you, come again. That's what it is. I don't know. I don't know all the laws on selling M-rated games to minors, but I know they've gotten kind of stiff, and these dudes are on camera, so you basically... If you do it, you're, you're implicate you you automatically uh, setting yourself up to fall. And I mean, I've been in Seven Elevens. I haven't seen. Did I see Halo in there? I'm not sure, but it's like the games are like all old. I haven't seen anything from even 2009 in there. So, how much 
it's even going to really sell other than to some kid that's with his mom saying, hey, mom, it's a video game. Buy it for me. I don't know. You know what it is? I think that a successful a successful model, if you want to go 7-Eleven, would have been um, Redbox kiosk style. You know, you put a kiosk in there that sells used games, person walks in, they get it from the machine, and they keep it moving. That eliminates the necessity of 7-Eleven having a trip, you know, Answer any questions or whatever. You touch the screen. It gives you a description of the game. You put in your month, your 20 bucks. Out pops the game. You keep it moving. I think that would have been a far more successful way to do it. Fuck, I should patent that. <laughs> but um, you, you, know, you know as well as I do, they're going to be uneducated, uninformed, and they're just going to look at the bottom line. But on the flip side, GameStop doesn't make the money, so it's all good. On the flip side, the people that work in GameStop half the time are uninformed and uneducated. Yeah, I got to give you that. But you know what's happening? I've been seeing a new and disturbing trend of educated employees that are more used car salesmen than anything else. It's like you walk in, you buy a game. Hey, did you think about getting yourself that extended warranty in case your game gets scratched? You know, it happens, and we'll gladly replace it. It's only $4 more. That's what they've become. Oh, God. It happened. It happened, it happened today. So, you know, I think that 7-Eleven that is going to do well. Are they going to do successful to where GameStop will be nervous? No. But bottom Dude, line... I went to 7-Eleven. The games are sitting next to Jack Link's beef jerky. They're not looking to take over GameStop anytime soon. No, they are not. Anything else you wanted to add to that? <laughs> no, nah, not right now, man. Oh, it's going to get good, though. All right, dude. Oh, I'm sure. I'll talk to you later. Peace. All right, in a little bit of Arkham Asylum news, um, Two-Face will be the villain in the game. As per Kevin Conroy, he gave a little bit of insight at the C2E2 uh, conference. Well, at the C2E2 panel, I should say. He said that Two-Face is going to be in the game, and he says that there's a very complicated cast and that a lot of villains are going to be in it. I'll just leave it at that. He said it's going to be a lot grittier, a lot grimier, and a lot darker. I don't know how much more darker you can get than Arkham Asylum, but I'm definitely intrigued to find out. There's rumors going around that Robin may be in the game, but two more villains have been confirmed, and that's Mr. Freeze and Talia al Ghul, as well as Two-Face. Um, Maurice LaMarche, who had roles in The Simpsons and Futurama, is going to be voicing Mr. Freeze. And uh, Talia is going to be voiced by Stana Kaddick, who plays Detective Katie Beckett on TV's Castle. So she actually gave that away on a tweet and then, of course, deleted them right away. But now you know Talia is going to be involved, as is Mr. Freeze and Two-Face. I definitely think that it's going to be a step in the right direction. The addition of Robin is probably more leaning towards multiplayer than for, you know, for the single-player campaign. But, you know, a lot of people are going to complain, oh, Robin's in the game, blah, blah, blah. Who gives a shit? Robin goes with Batman. It's just the way it is. Now, the thing is, is it going to be just Robin, or is it going to be Robin and Nightwing? Because I've heard that Nightwing is going to be involved as well. Um, I actually think that the fact is that adding those characters to the story is not going to take away from the gameplay because these are actual characters from the Batman universe. And I'm more than sure that I wouldn't mind playing a game where Batman is going to do some detective work and you switch roles and play as Robin for a little bit. 
it, you know, it'll open up a whole new move set, a different dynamic of gameplay. And for those that are, are reading comics now, Robin's coming to his own as a pretty legit badass. It's all a matter of which Robin they use, Tim Drake Robin or Damian Wayne Robin. If it's Damian Wayne Robin, it should be interesting just because he's, he's a bit more of a badass and he's very similar in fighting style to Batman. Um, adding Nightwing into the equation, again, great for multiplayer. It'll add another dynamic to gameplay, and it'll just allow the game to get even deeper and be more in tune with the comics. I see no harm in this whatsoever. Um, the addition of these characters is great. Mr. Freeze is cool. Um, Talia, it's a matter of whether she's going to be friend or foe. Uh, where Talia is, Ra's al Ghul is bound to be as well. And the addition of Two-Face is all good. I mean, you can't get any crazier than the Joker, and he's going to be in there as well, allegedly. So with that said, it's, I'm definitely looking forward to the next entry into the Batman series. So definitely props for that. Uh, Major League Baseball is coming to the PlayStation 3. Well, it did already. Um, this is from last week. The New York Times reported that P PlayStation 3 is going to be able to stream Major League Baseball games through MLB.tv. Um, Pretty much the fact is that the PC version of MLB TV costs 100 to $120 a year or 20 to $25 a month. I think it's definitely a cool move for the PS3 being able to step into that sort of a market, especially with MLB, just because it really doesn't get any more easier than streaming sports, especially from the standpoint that they're usually being broadcast and streamed already. It's just a matter of sending it to uh, the PlayStation 3. I actually feel that it, this is a step towards the PlayStation 3 becoming more than just your Blu-ray player, your music player, and, you, you know, your photos. It's really a step into becoming a true entertainment hub. And while I'm not huge into baseball just because I have a huge attention, uh, a short attention span, um, I think that it's definitely great to see Sony making some strides and trying to innovate a little bit more. I mean, Microsoft is doing a great job with Netflix right now. Sony needs a little time to shine, so I have no issue with that. Uh, now into some of this week's gaming news, which are really, there are a couple of gems in here that got my attention. Square Enix announced that you are going to be able to get avatar costumes from Final Fantasy 13 for your PlayStation Home avatars. So if you're a Final Fantasy 13 fan and you actually do use PlayStation Home, which I fucking don't, um, you'll be able to pick up some of those theme, Final Fantasy 13 items for download now. Now, here's something crazy. Sony, of course, said that they will be releasing a firmware update that would allow uh, you to play some of their 3D games that are going to be released in the near future. What came out as of earlier today is this. Some of those 3D games, while they will be in 3D, will be having downgraded resolution. A perfect example of that is going to be Wipeout HD, which was able to run at 1080p in 2D, but it's only going to be able to run at 720p in 3D with a reduced frame rate. MotorStorm Pacific Rift only ran 720p in 2D and will drop below HD resolution in 3D. That's why they're saying that it's going to take – the reason for that is that it takes extra processing power to produce two different interlaced images, which is what's required for stereoscopic 3D. Ninja Theory co-founder Tamim Antonidas said, recently mentioned these concerns about 3D gaming on current systems. He said, the problem is that to do 3D properly, to do 3D, fuck, 
The problem is that to do 3D properly, you need to render 60 frames per second per eye, and at least at 720p resolution per eye. So in essence, that's 1080p rendering at 120 frames per second. And the current generation can only process very rudimentary graphics at that spec. Now you've got to ask yourself, you got 1080p, and the fact is HD or 3D. If you want to go and watch shit in HD, you're going to miss out on the whole 3D buzz that goes with it. But what's the purpose then in playing games in 3D on your HD television if it's going to be below HD graphics? I honestly think that this whole 3D gaming thing, while it's really good on paper, has way too many bugs in it. To me, at least, 3D gaming is a beautiful thing if it's done correctly. But if it's something where you have a $2,000 TV that has a 240 megahertz refresh rate with 1080p, and you're playing a game that's supposed to be high def and 3D, and the fact is that it's 720p or lower, it's a waste of fucking time. You're not going to get the best picture. Yeah, the 3D is going to be nice, but what's the use of having that if you can't get a clear picture to enjoy as well? I definitely think that this 3D gaming as well as 3D as a whole in a home theater medium is going to take a little bit more time. And the fact is that right now, it, it's, it's a slippery slope, man. It's like, are you going to sacrifice full HD for 3D, or are you going to take one for the team just to have a 3D television in your house to show off? You know, most people can't tell the difference between 720p and 1080, but the fact of the matter is that if you're dropping below 720, it is going to be obvious, and it's going to look really shitty. Now, our buddies over at EA are um, putting out a really interesting stat, and needless to say, it's not a good one. Um, it says that Ian Cummings told Kotaku recently that 350,000 people played Madden NFL 2010. That's great, right? Not really, because the NFL 2010 that was played was played online once and never touched again. He said that he's going to try and work with EA to reduce the number in the newest version that's coming out this year. The fact is, most people play Madden, as with most sports games, online. They play it for a little bit. If the learning curve is too hard, they stop playing. If the level of competition is too difficult, they stop playing and they just play amongst their, their friends. The fact is, EA should start to realize that nobody is going to pay $60 for a roster update. Yeah, you can add as much little quote-unquote gameplay innovation, but the fact of the matter is there is no necessity for you to even charge 60 bucks for that game. And it shows when, when 350,000 people log on once and never play again. Never. It, it's, it's really hilarious that people are really starting to just give Madden the business. And it, and it amuses me, not because Madden is a shitty franchise, but because they take it so fucking seriously. EA's like, hey, man, Madden's coming out, blah, 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 blah. And they make it seem like it's the end-all, be-all. Oh, Drew Brees is the cover athlete. Terrell Owens is the cover athlete. Reggie Bush is the cover athlete. Kim Kardashian is the cover athlete. Nobody gives a shit. It's the same game time and time again. You throw the ball, you catch the ball, you score a touchdown. It, it, I hate the sanctimonious bullshit that EA puts out for a game that's basically been done a thousand times over 
sometimes better than EA. When Sega was doing it with their NFL 2K series, the NFL 2K series was more engaging, better graphics, better playing franchise than Madden ever was. Shit, I still have NFL 2K around here somewhere, and I still play it once in a while on my old Xbox because it was just an enjoyable game, and it wasn't as expensive. But EA is really on a high horse thinking that people are going to take Madden this seriously. If I put up the newest trailer that they put up for Madden, it'll blow your mind. You're going to be like, that's it? It's like, smoother gameplay, better graphics, blah, 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 Madden 2010. Everybody's going to love it. It, it, The commercial is such a crock of shit that anybody that buys the game based on that commercial should be castrated and beaten with a tire iron, period. Because it's $60 for the same shit you play every year. I'm sorry. If you're really a fan of Madden, knock yourselves out with it. Give EA all your money and take it, take it with you. I don't want to fucking deal with that shit because it's, it's bullshit. It really is bullshit. Unless EA does something radically different, more people are going to buy it and play it less because that's what's happening. The fact is people are getting tired of EA coming out with basically the same game every year with a shinier coat of paint and better graphics, and one or two quote-unquote gameplay enhancements. I'm sorry, just not my thing. But um, here's something that's of interest. It seems that uh, there's a new Wii coming out, and it's black. Yes, finally, affirmative action takes hold in the Nintendo universe with a black Wii. Yeah, make all the black dick jokes you want, folks. The fact of the matter is, it seems that GameStop decided to put out a little bit of an ad that somebody saw and took a photo of, rumored to be an employee, and leak it on the Internet. As such, you're going to be able to buy, Slick said it best, a Negro Wii. Yes, you're going to be able to get a Wii in black. Um, I believe it's going to be in May. Now, of course, no, no product leak, you know, no product leak, I should say, goes without any sort of punishment of any sort. Of course, the guys at GameStop decided to put out the most lame email ever in terms of talking about leaks. The fact is, and this was sent to a GameStop employee, and I'm going to read this to you guys. And and this is actually, am I right? Is it from one of the... Yes, it is. um, It's an internal correspondence that was sent to a GameStop employee. You guys are going to love this. As you know, there's a lot of rumor and speculation about various new products and titles launching this year. One of these is the Black Wii. Various blogs and Internet sites are raising awareness about this product. GameStop stores and associates should not proliferate these rumors. Wow, that's a good Scrabble word. Today you received POP for your windows regarding the Black Wii. Somehow a picture of this appeared on the Internet. It may seem cool to be in the know and feel compelled to share something like this, I'm not making this up. That's what it said. Nothing can be further from the truth. All activity like this does is hurt our reputation with publishers and manufacturers and potentially hurts our company. Until Nintendo decides to announce their product, there should be no discussion of it with customers, period. If they ask, your response should be, it's not appropriate to comment on speculation and rumor. No GameStop employee is going to say that. That should be the answer, he says. The POP should be secured in the back room and left there until further notice. 
Any violation of these will be treated with the most aggressive consequences. I believe strongly in the field organization, but I am as disappointed as I have been in my tenure here in how we are handling this. I am trusting that your professionalism will result in no further issues. Look, this fucking guy is making it seem like it's the, the new iPhone that got leaked out. It's a system that already exists in another fucking color. Really, internal memo because of the Wii, because it's black? Who the fuck writes this stuff? This fucking guy is sitting there, and the whole reason this came about is because there's a rumor that Nintendo said that the leak came from GameStop and that they're, that they're going to pull all their merchandise from GameStop and never sell it there again. Nintendo is full of shit, number one, because they would never do that because that would be hurting their bottom line. Nintendo's all about the bottom line. Yeah, they're family-friendly and shit, but money talks and bullshit walks. Even though it's a tired cliche, it is what it is. GameStop, of course, had to put out the email to make it seem like they really give a shit. They don't. On the contrary, you're generating buzz for people to go to your store and buy it. How fucking stupid are you guys? Oh, you guys shouldn't leak this out. Why? Fuck it. You can... Oh, don't come to GameStop and buy this new system that we're going to get in May. No, don't do that. Don't. It's bad. It's wrong. Are you fucking kidding me? It is the most absurd thing. As I'm reading that email uh, the day before yesterday, I go, this guy's a fucking idiot. And the fact that he put in an email that it's quote-unquote not cool is Who told you to write that? What, because young people work in GameStop, you have to dumb it down for, for the quote-unquote demographic scope? What a piece of shit. This is why I dislike GameStop. The fact is, the Wii's coming out. It's coming out May 9th. You can probably get it in black. GameStop leaked it. Nintendo, come and get me. Reggie, come knock on my door and whoop my ass for telling my listeners that the black Wii is coming out. Send me a cease and desist. I beg you. I beg you to tell me that because it's common knowledge. And the fact that Nintendo's wagging their dicks around saying, oh, we're going to take our games out of the stores. No, you're not. Shut your face. It's, it, oh, I really sometimes don't like GameStop. And that's why. Because of shit like that. It, that's their internal memo. What they should have done is said, hey, guys, look, if you're going to leak shit out, don't, don't, you know, put a picture without showing where the circular's from. Don't fuck it up for us. That's it. No, you got to get all PC and shit. Ugh. Disgust me. But yeah, hey, Reggie, Black Wii, I said it, coming out in May at GameStop. Come get me. Come and get me. Bring Cliffy B with you so I can whoop his ass too. It really is absurd. I'm not going to devote any more time to it because I'm going to just lose my mind. Um... Moving on, for those of you that are still playing DJ Hero, which I think I still am, um, there's some new tracks that are coming out. They actually should be available today. You're going to be able to pick up uh, Sandstorm by Darude mixed with Higher State of Com- Consciousness by Josh Wink, Wolfgang's Fifth, Fifth Symphony Beat Juggle by Wolfgang Gartner, Redmond's VIP Beat Juggle by Danny Bird. The pack is going to be 640 Microsoft points or 799 on the PlayStation Store. So if you're still playing DJ Hero, you can check that out and play that as well. Uh, 
Where the hell? Ah, yes. Good old Bungie announced that they are having a partnership. They are getting into a partnership with Activision for the next 10 years. This will allow Bungie to release um, titles on multiple platforms. I believe that personally this is great for Bungie because you know what? I'm haloed out. And I was actually talking about this with my nephew earlier, and I think that, um, you know, Halo Reach is great, and Halo is a, is a cool franchise, but enough already. Definitely good that Bungie is stepping into something new, and it's going to allow them to, show, to showcase whatever new franchise they come out with on the PS3 as well. Of course, automatically everybody was saying, oh, man, Halo's going to be on the PS3. I doubt that. The reason being is that when reps from Sony and Microsoft were questioned about this new partnership, a uh, representative from Sony said the following, the partnership between Bungie and Activision is a big win for gamers worldwide. Combining Bungie's creativity with the incredible power of PlayStation 3 will add serious muscle to action gaming. We look forward to extending Bungie's next big action game universe with PS3 users, a.k.a. you're not getting Halo. Microsoft. Our partnership with Bungie as a first-party developer for Xbox 360 remains unchanged. And right now, we're deeply engaged with them on the development of Halo Reach, which is poised to be the biggest game of 2010. Translation, that's our franchise. Don't fuck with us. That's pretty much it. With that being said, that is the end of video game news, and boy, do I have a lot of movie news, which we will discuss after the break. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like <laughs> Well you won't listen to that on our show because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing We're broke as hell And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard So um, if you're looking for a show like that that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights, on all games. All right, and we're back. Movie news. I have a feeling that I'm going to get a lot of phone calls for this segment. First off, and you guys are not going to believe this, according to the L.A. Times, Paramount is looking to bring Mighty Mouse to the big screen. The movie will be based on the original cartoon with a modern spin. The movie has actually been in development for quite some time at Paramount through Nickelodeon Movies label. 20th Century Fox having massive success with Alvin and the Chipmunks seems to be a strong motivator for the studio to press forward with the project. They're currently looking for a writer and director for the film, and as of now it has not been determined if the film will be animated or a combination of live action and animation like Alvin and the Chipmunks and Garfield. Look, why? I, I, I see the reasoning behind wanting to do it, but why? I, look, Alvin and the Chipmunks, I've seen it. I even saw the second one. I saw Garfield. They're cute. But yeah, Mighty Mouse, super-powered rat, I don't know if kids will give a shit unless you have, like, high school musical involved. No one's going to care. Oh, fuck you, Anderson. Anderson said that Underdog was good. He's insane. Smoked one bowl too many if you think that Underdog was good. You're out of your fucking mind, Donnie. I love you to death. Your kids are adorable. You're fucking crazy. Um, Mighty Mouse, to me, 
I have a feeling it'll be successful, which is the worst thing. Because people are going to love it, and um, they're going to they're going to eat it up. And of course, Waffles says that he prefers Speedy Gonzalez. Well, guess what? You're going to get your Speedy Gonzalez movie, and he's going to be voiced by none other than George Lopez. How's that for affirmative action? I know you guys are getting killed in Arizona, but look, you get a Mexican rodent to feel comfortable with. So that should give Waffles some solace in the chat. Moving on, um, of course, more comic movies are coming out. Crossed, written by Garth Ennis, is being developed for the big screen. Trigger Street Productions is looking for a director. Um, Ennis will write the script, which will follow survivors dealing with a zombie-like plague that causes its victims to carry out their most evil thoughts and wishes, including murder, rape, mutilation, and arson. Crossed was a 10-part miniseries published in 2008 and had a sequel titled Crossed Family Values. Again, digging into the crates of comic books is fine and dandy, but when you start getting really obscure, it's just going to look like another survival horror movie. Nobody's going to say anything because obviously comics are the big buzzword right now, but the fact is that going that deep into, into the crates to put out these kind of movies is going to eventually bite studios in the ass. Again, the concept is you're pr- pretty much your typical survival horror movie. Um, I've already seen a movie like this called The Crazies. Um, I don't know if they're going to go the same route or try and tie it closer to the book, but more comic movies, folks, more comic movies. Uh, Neil Moritz is going to be bringing SWAT back to the big screen. How's that for excitement? You're going to get SWAT Firefight, which is going to be filming in, on April 18th in Detroit. Gabriel Macht, who was in The Spirit and Whiteout, Carly Pope, Robert Patrick, and Giancarlo Esposito are set to star in the film. Is this really coming out in the theater? Because fuck, does that not sound like a movie on Cinemax? The story centers on L.A. SWAT officer Paul Cutler, who is sent to train Detroit's SWAT team on anti-terrorism and homeland security. Cutler is given a hard time both from his new team and his new captain. He also starts wooing police psychologists. Blah, blah, blah. Translation, Cutler and his team have to rescue a woman, the woman he loves after a routine hostage situation goes wrong. Yada, yada, yada. Translation, direct to DVD. Next. Um, for those of you that are looking forward to Machete from, Ground ha- from Grindhouse uh, director Robert Rodriguez, look no further than September 3rd. Danny Trejo will be playing Machete, or Machete for those of us that are Hispanic, as a former federal out for revenge against a corrupt U.S. senator who betrayed him. Robert De Niro, Jessica Alba, Cheech Marin, Jeff Fahey, Don Johnson, Steven Seagal, and Lindsay Lohan are also in this movie. That's all I got to say. I'm definitely excited for it. I was a big fan of the trailer, and it's going to be fantastic. I see it. It's going to be one of those great guilty pleasure movies, much like Black Dynamite, that people are going to see a lot and quote a lot of dialogue from. Um, in keeping with the, with the theme of C2E2, uh, Lucasfilm director of fan relations Steve Sansweet spoke about George Lucas remaking Star Wars in 3D. Yeah, it's going to happen. Star Wars, 3D, happening. Yeah. He says, George has publicly expressed an interest in doing Star Wars 3D. Right now, there are a number of different technologies uh, available. There's some criticism out there about some of the movies that have quickly changed to 3D, so you have to pick the right technology. You have to get it to a cost that makes sense, and you have to have a time and a director for a director as well as a producer. Because you can't push the button, the stuff that goes in one end and comes out the other 3D 
in saying all that, George remains very interested in doing the Star Wars movies, all six in 3D, and I hope it will happen someday in the not-too-distant future. So, yeah, Star Wars in 3D. Look, why are you going to go? How about this? How about you guys, instead of worrying about remaking a whole franchise in 3D, how about you put it on Blu-ray and make some money? And not just a double dip or a triple dip. How about a definitive Star Wars box set with the Clone Wars, the prequels, and the regular three movies all in one box set? Charge me 150 bucks and leave me the fuck alone. I don't care about Star Wars in 3D. But you know what the worst part is? It's going to make money. That's the worst part. People, all, guys dressed as stormtroopers and fat girls dressed like Princess Leia are going to eat this shit up. Oh, look, it's in 3D, like Avatar. That's what's going to happen. Everybody's going to go crazy. And George Lucas is going to just continue raping people's pockets by putting out the same recycled shit over and over and over again. But, nonetheless, moving on, Antonio Banderas, who, of course, you know as the guy who keeps Melanie Griffith's face on, um, Desperado, and also Puss from Puss in Boots from the Shrek films, recently confirmed that his character will be getting its own spin-off movie. According to Banderas, he has already done a first recording of the script with co-star Salma Hayek and Zach, I always mess up this guy's name, Galifianakis. He also talks about the film's plot, which looks to take place around Puss in Boots' childhood. He was in an orphanage when he first discovered the effect he has on people. And that's when he starts being intelligent, was his plot synopsis. I'm all for the Puss in Boots character. I actually like watching the Shrek movies because he's really cool. The fact is, the Shrek franchise, once again, you're at the third film. Is it the third or the fourth? Whatever the case may be. Running its course. You want to do the Puss in Boots movie, fine. But leave the Shrek franchise alone after that. Great movie gets funnier after repeated viewings, but once again, dipping, dipping, into the, dipping the pen into the ink a little too much, folks. So definitely move on with that. Nonetheless, uh, Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah, Little Red Riding Hood is going to have a movie. It's happening. The Girl with the Red Riding Hood is the name of the film, and uh, Amanda Seyfried is in this, and it's a reimagining of Little Red Riding Hood. Um, Pretty much, it's going to be about a woman in a medieval village that's being terrorized by a werewolf. Why? Why is it happening? Someone tell me why. Little Red Riding Hood, really? Oh, but just soak that in while I tell you guys about the fact that there's going to be a Bad Boys 3D. That's right. Peter Craig is working on the script. Martin Lawrence has said that Will Smith's involvement is a definite. Anytime you can get Big Willie out to come and talk about doing a third installment of a hot movie like Bad Boys, you have to take notice. Michael Bay is on board, and it is happening. So there you go. Bad Boys 3D. That's what's happening. You forgot your boarding pass. Bad Boys 3D will be coming sooner rather than later, hopefully after 2012 so that when the world blows up, I won't have to watch it. I like Bad Boys. I like Bad Boys 2, which was like three hours too long. But really, 
these guys are fucking old already. It's like, come the fuck on, man. How many more hood jokes can you do? How many more, I got shot in my ass. I'm Mike Lowry. King Dingley. Blah, blah, blah. Martin Lawrence. I'm black. Will Smith is black. My ears are big. My head is fat. Nobody gives a shit. It, 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 you know, Men in Black 3D. Look, that's a movie that should have been, that can be in 3D just because it's Men in Black. You know, Neuralizer, 3D, coming out of the screen, blinding you so you, forget, you can forget that you watched it. It's, it really is absurd that th- this is what it's come down to. But rest assured, folks, it gets better. The LA Times reported that writer Sheila Callahan from the United States of Tara has been hired to write a new draft for the big screen version of I Dream of Genie. Yes, but there's an issue because they're not sure how they can update the script for the sitcom because it had numerous pre-feminist ideas, a.k.a. we are a country of pussies that can't accept the fact that the movie was not feminist. Really? It's, it's I Dream of Genie, people. Come on. Come on. Oh, women were looked at poorly in this show. It's a movie based on a fucking show about a broad that lives in a bottle. How much more far-fetched can you be? Who gives a shit? Larry Tate drinking on the job. No one cares. It's bad enough you're doing a movie based on a TV show that's long been forgotten, but you're complaining because the, move, the show had pre-feminist ideas. It really is absurd. It's right up there with Muhammad in the bear suit. And the terrorists complaining. Oh, you showed Muhammad in the bear suit. We're going to kill Trey Parker and Matt Stone. It's absurd. It really is crazy. But with that being said, I'm going to stop the diatribe for a minute, and I believe I have a caller. Ark, you're on the phone. Yes, I am. Welcome. We've How are you? you? It's been a while. <laughs> yes, we've missed you. What's going on? I wanted to give my two cents on the idea of Little Red Riding Hood being a movie. I think oh, yeah. Hollywood Hollywood is doing a very, very bad thing here. Not only because, okay, <laughs> we, all, we all know the story of Little Red Riding Hood. There is a reason why we all know that story. You know, th- th- these were stories that were passed down you know, generation upon generation, you know, from brothers, from, from the Grimm Brothers, um, you know, collection. These, all, these, these stories all had a meaning behind them. You know, you were supposed to learn something from them. If you're going right. to take it, I, I mean, okay, Little Red Riding Hood. It was, it was a story of, um, what was it, a woman uh, or a girl coming into womanhood. She has a Red Riding Hood for a reason. The red stands for yep. something. So, right. I mean, and, and she had to, you know, avoid the big bad wolf, temptation, blah, 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 whatever. You know, if you're going to trivialize something like that, I mean, yeah, it's a very basic story, but, you know, there's a reason why they, they've been passed down. If you're going to take those stories and trivialize it with a bullshit movie, we lose something as a culture, I think. I really it's true. I mean, I, I don't know. This just does not sit right with me. Give that really shit to lack of me. It's really lack of originality not to cut you off. That, that's re- Look, it's gotten to the point where 
when I tell you guys what other movies are coming out, half of you are either going to shut off this show or possibly fling <laughs> yourselves from a very high window. So Little Red Riding Hood is just the icing on the cake. Trust me, it's going to get worse. But go oh, ahead. I, I, I cringed at Mighty Mouse, too. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> but, uh, no, really, I mean... If this is the trend that Hollywood is taking, I, I'm not happy at all. <laughs> I like movies. <laughs> oh, I love them too, but it's like it's like how how do you how does Hollywood want me to go and give the the, the usher twelve dollars or the the cashier should say twelve dollars and go give me two tickets for Red Riding Hood with a straight face? <laughs> not gonna happen. That's why I got that shit online. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. Like, Hollywood wants people to go and say, two for Red Riding Hood, please, and watch it and be enamored with the storyline. It's a fucking fairy tale. Mm -hmm. You fucks. It's that shit to Disney. It's it's absurd. It's very absurd. I don't know. I, I mean... Like, I don't know if you know this or not, but the only thing that I uh, posted uh, in the uh, chat there was only one one movie, one comic book movie, you know, that I'm that I'm waiting for, and uh, that's ElfQuest. So I, that's not going to be out until 2011, I think. So. Yeah, well, you know, you gotta you gotta wait because you know there's the World of Warcraft movie also. Ooh. Oh, I'm I'm sure you're gonna have. Loads and loads of people lining up for the uh, theater with their cans of Mountain Dew in their hands. Oh God! Oh yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be fantastic. But you know, the, I I I have to give you kudos for for giving the deeper meaning to Little Red Riding Hood because the fact of the matter is that we all read these fairy tales and we we've all had them passed down to us or told to us, and people don't realize that Grimm's fairy tales are really fucked up. What are meant to and be? The They're fact, meant to scare children to being good. <laughs> exactly. But you know what it is when when Hollywood looks at it, they go, "We got a fucking gold mine here." You know, that's what they're looking at. They're not looking at messages. They're not looking at imparting messages to the youth of America. They're looking at fifteen twenty-five. Please, would you like butter on your popcorn? That's what they want. They don't give a shit about the message. There's no Hollywood's message involves Benjamin Franklin and how quickly he can leave your pocket into their hand. That's it. Mm-hmm. Anything uh, else, Ed? No, that's about it. Uh, yeah, that's all. I'll I'll, uh, I'll leave uh, you to your uh, further. Uh, oh yeah, you're gonna you're gonna love the rest of this. Trust me. I don't think I'm going to. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, all right, man. Thank you, easy, man. Oh yeah, thanks thanks for calling in. You know, we missed having you on, so I hope. Uh, to have you on more often. All right, man. I'll be around. You got it. Later. Later. All right. Well, with that being said, um, I wasn't joking. Men in Black 3 is coming out in 3D. So, no, I wasn't joking. Um, Marvel Studios has recently announced that they're going to do more superhero films. Big surprise. Marvel is meeting with directors to work on small-scale films, budgets $20 million to $40 million. Wow, the value of money has taken a dump when small scale is $20 million to $40 million. Here I thought that making a movie with, with Clay 
and stick figures for 10 bucks was low budget. But no, small scale is 20 million to 40 million, it looks like. But before I get into that, looks like I got another caller. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, it's NFG. Can you hear me and stuff? Yeah, yeah, dude, I can hear you. Oh, man, I've never been, like, so disgusted with movies. <laughs> after you talk for a little bit. Like, man, like, the whole, like, 3D thing has been pissing me off for so long because it's such a tired gimmick that I thought we finished in the 80s. Like, <laughs> it, Oh, yeah, just, of course, that's what I thought. Yeah, it's just so stupid. Like, everyone's talking about it, like, yeah, man, it's in 3D. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. I'd rather just, like, just not watch it at all. Like, it's it's silly. Like, I don't know, I think movies have just gone downhill when we need to depend solely on visuals to get people to oh, go yeah, see them. And that's, ex- that's exactly what 3D is doing, is it's taking down the standard for good writing of characters and just, you know, good stories and stuff like that, movies that are going to make you think when you finish it. And, like, you know, it seems like if you're not making a 3D movie that's dependent on visuals and action nowadays, it seems like you're making a remake or a comic book movie. Yep. And that's, like, really just kind of disappointing. Like, it just makes me not want to see movies anymore because it's just gotten to just that point of ugh, just terrible. Like, I don't know. It just really makes me mad. Well, you know, it's funny. I have, you know, in, in talking with you, and, you know, it's, it's funny you called in. I have a I, – I wanted to ask, if you can if you can look back, I'd say the last ten years, what is the last meaningful original film that you saw? Like, the, like that you that you watched and you're like, wow, this was really good. Like like there was something you gained something. Like it was either really well written or great cinema, you know, cinematography, whatever. What was the last great movie you saw like that? Um, you know what? I'm gonna sound like a like just a total faggot, but um, it have to be the Korean movie My Sassy Girl, which okay. is a which is a love story, and it's actually it, you know it's technically not original, but like you really feel something when you watch it. Um, All right. Like the guy, the guy wrote it about a girl he met, um, and it's basically like the uh, their endeavors together, and it's all about like this girl and the story of like him being with this girl. Okay. And like I can't say too much without ruining it for you, but um. Okay, I'll check it out. Is this something I can check out on Netflix or something? Uh, you might be able to. The thing is, they remade it in 2007, and it was really wow. bad. But the mm-hmm. original Korean version is, like, it's it's actually really good. The guy, basically, he started out just writing blogs about it, and then he ended up putting putting out a book, and then that book got signed on to make a movie, and it's actually really big in Asian countries. Like, it's, it's a real hit just because it's just so, like, you, like, watch it, and it'll blow your mind because it's a true story. Like, it really hits oh, pretty okay. hard if you check it out. Like, it's not really sad. It's just so, like, good and powerful. But that was the last, like, great movie I've seen. And they pretty much bastardized it with the American release, where they changed everything and made it horrible. Like, well, it, it was, see, doesn't it doesn't it bug you, man, that a foreign film from 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 a totally remote country with a, a totally small following was the last great film you saw? Like, isn't that fucked up, man? Like, we're here, we are in 2010, and a movie that you watched, a foreign film that nobody, you know, I'd say the majority of the listeners may not have heard of. And that, and that you consider to be a great film. And it's crazy because I, I can actually go and say something like The Orphanage was a really great movie. Not, you know, not so many people understood it, but the concept was cool because it was something a little original and a little different. 
Yeah. I mean, I like a lot of the new stuff, don't get me wrong, but in terms of original, original stuff, that I just haven't seen something in a, in a long time that, that has that kind of a profound effect. I mean, the, the last movie that affected me that profoundly was Fight Club. Like, that movie changed my way of thinking to the point where I read the book at least yeah. three times over. So, you know, I, I, I figured I'd ask you because, you know, a lot of people call and they complain and, and, you know, we all voice our opinions, but it's actually good to hear somebody say, hey, man, I actually saw a movie and it fucking blew my mind. So, you know, I, pre- I appreciate you sharing that with us. Yeah, no problem. But, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just really unfortunate to a lot of bad movies coming out. Bad Boy oh, yeah, 3D, trust me, it's going to get worse. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude, it's going to get worse, trust me. Yeah. All right, dude, well, thanks for the call. I appreciate you calling in. All right, thanks for having me. All right, man, peace. Bye. All right, we the lines are slowly getting flooded. You're on the air. Hey, Rick, it's Waffles. Hey, what's up, dude? I want to go back to what you and Ars were talking about with fairy tale movies. Let it, let's oh. hear it. Well, first I was like, uh, right away I was like, what the fuck? Little Red Riding Hood? That's already been made, and how everyone said in the chat, Hoodwink. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I do remember that. God, I sat through that at home with with, with, with my fiance, and we were like, did we really just watch this shit? <laughs> and sadly, they You're right. have a sequel. It you know, really but, is. Um, yeah, but now that, since that movie was made, they should, if they were to make another little bit of writing the movie, they should make it darker, more for, like, adult entertainment. Because there's... Why keep on bringing up old childhood fairy tales into movies when they've already been made? Like, just bring in new stuff for children to see. I agree, you're right. See? Like, Little Red Riding Hood, I know they can make it a darker version. Even with Alice in Wonderland, they could have changed it up and make it, like, America's McGee's Alice, if you remember that game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot, there was actually a, 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 there was actually rumors that they were actually going to make a movie of, of American McGee's Alice. So it's funny you bring that up, and it's true. A darker tone would be beneficial. It will be better just, like, if they're going to remake movies, especially, like, children ones, make it now more for adults, darker, maybe bloodier funnier or something, but just not making it for children. Like, There's no point in bringing back something that's old. Well, you know, it, 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 the problem The problem is, man, and you know, I, 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 beat, I, I beat this up a lot every week, it's that it's easy to dip into the medium that's already been established because it generates a buzz very fast. What's been happening is that Hollywood has taken it upon themselves to not do a lot of work in terms of bringing something out. They just it, pretty much, let's take a ball of shit, throw it at the wall, and see if it sticks. And then they throw little little words alongside it. You know, like the lump of shit will say, talking animals, throw it at the screen. Then the next thing you throw on the board is going to be either 3D, live action, or animated. And it's going to be comedy, um, adult comedy, and who's making it. You know, is it going to be a Pixar movie or a DreamWorks movie? That's pretty much what it is. And if you look, and a guy um, from a site put up something really funny, every movie made by DreamWorks, their characters have that, has that, have that same crooked smile because that's how unoriginal they've gotten. 
it, yeah. it's really absurd. It's I, I agree with what you're saying, and it's sad, but you have to take into account that it's all about the juggernaut that is Hollywood, and pretty much it's easier to churn out stuff that if you say New Friday the 13th, people are going to go, oh, man, who's going to go see that shit? But a couple of people are going to be like, hey, man, let's go check it out, see if it's good. That's all Hollywood needs. They need just a little money, a little bit, just to show that it was successful or that the DVD sold successfully to warrant a sequel. Well, yeah. Don't worry. It's going to get worse. Oh, I bet. Like, after even you told me earlier on that they're going to actually make a Speedy Gonzalez movie, I was joking around, right. but you... you yeah, with your man. That it, with your man, George Lopez. Waffles? Ah, that's even worse, too. He would do a bad job with him, too. Oh, come uh, on, Waffles. Orale, boy. Speedy Gonzalez. Arriba, arriba, epa, andale. Come on, <laughs> man. Don't you want to see that? In real time? Come on, Waffles. <laughs> but not George Lopez. <laughs> not George Lopez. They could have picked someone else. Like John said earlier on, Carlos Mencia, and I could actually see Carlos Mencia doing more Speedy Gonzalez than George Lopez. Or Carlos Mencia. He's a <laughs> fake ass Mexican. All right, I'm hanging up on you. All right, man. Anything else? <laughs> nah, that's good. That's all for me. All right, dude. Thanks for calling. Later. No problem. Later. All right. Wow, we got more calls coming in. You're on the air. Hello? Yeah. Oh. Hey, Reggie. It's just me. Thanks. Hey, what's going on? Yeah, I was calling in because I'm just sitting here just getting pissed off by all of these sequels, all of these unnecessary remakes, and then, you know, just these stories that the writers in Hollywood are pulling out their ass right now just to make money. I mean, when is it going to stop? It's, oh, yeah, it, it really is absurd. It's getting ridiculous, and then... Uh, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> you lost your train of thought? <laughs> no. It's just, I mean, really, they can't have any more original ideas, you know, that they could put out instead of taking movies that came out 10, 20, 30 years ago and remaking them. They don't make any yeah. sense. And then when they do remake them, they don't even follow up or, you know, try and make the story the same. Oh, it's, 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 it really is a sad, a sad thing where the lack of originality has gone to the point where people are pulling comic books that are, you know, not that old or not that well-known and making movies about them. And, again, you know, small niche markets eat it up. They run in, they throw their money down, and they automatically, automatically say it's successful. Don't get me wrong, Avatar is a billion-dollar movie, but that's because tickets to go see it in 3D IMAX were 15 bucks. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, if you want my opinion about Avatar, it really wasn't worth it, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> well, don't worry about it. You're going to love the, uh, the abundance of awesome stuff that's going to be coming in the next, uh, I don't know, the next 45 minutes. <laughs> Trust me. Anything else? Yeah, I think I think that's it. I'm just gonna keep oh, going. Oh, trust. Follow up. Oh well, I appreciate the call, but uh, definitely stick around. Trust me. Okay. That's All right. Thanks for calling. Mm-hmm. Anderson. What? 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 What was it, me, dude? It was not me. I swear to God. What? 
What happened, dude? What's going on? Dude, listen. You know what? You know what I'm sick of hearing about. Uh oh. I'm sick of hearing about 3D movies. <laughs> I really am. Does it here? Now, now this is just an example to show you how 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 the 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 the, the mindless public are just sheep. Do you understand that 3D movies were being made in the 50s? Yes, sir. I mean, this was this is nothing new. This is this is this is old, right? This is this is so old school that the only thing that's changed about 3D movies since then is that they can do them easier now. Yep. I mean, there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing. Uh, uh, changed about it. There's nothing new about it. And you know what? It phased out in like the 60s. Everybody was like, you know what? This is dumb. I'm sick of watching this. Yep. And then the 80s came out and you had, you know, Friday the 13th 3D, Jaws 3D. Yeah. yeah. You get a couple of those in there every so often. You know, every 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 three or four years, everybody's, ooh, there's a 3D movie out. Nobody really gives a shit. 3D movie. Everybody's like, yeah, okay, House of Wax, Vincent Price, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But, well, not nowadays. I mean, that's what my friends say. We talk about those old movies. But, yeah, I mean, it's just... Oh, yeah. no. The old movies have something that the new generation of remakes is missing, and that's credible actors and just a, a good buzz towards it. When you said, you know, hey, House of Wax, Vincent Price, the selling point wasn't the plot of the movie. It was watching an actor like Vincent, Christ, like Vincent Price hone his craft on the screen, oh, like show you, show you his talent and the depth of how, how much he believed in what he was telling you on screen. Now yeah. it's just about such and such movie, Megan Fox, such and such movie, Jessica Alba, such and such movie, Matthew McConaughey. You know, it's, they don't take enough time to reinforce the substance of what they're trying to get you to watch. They they throw right. the buzzword out. They throw, you know, G.I. Joe. That's the first word. They'll get you with that. And then you're all excited, and they'll go, Channing Tatum. And you're like, fuck. <laughs> you're like, wait a minute. What dude was that? Wait a minute. Or, or, they, or, they, or, they, or they try to, they, they, uh, they put a bunch of big names into one movie. And, and they're like, that's going to be great. You're going to, you know, you're going to have all these big names in this one, in this one film. And, and that just means it's just going to do worse. Because oh, yeah, because more actors want money. <laughs> right, right. It's a bigger movie. You just paid more money to make this film. And you know what? I still don't want to see it. Even if it had nobody's in it and one big-name actor, I wouldn't want to see it. Uh, and, 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 and I'm not going to get into the whole remakes, sequels. The new Nightmare on Elm Street could have been Nightmare on Elm Street 12. But it's, they said, you know funny. what? Let's just put a let's just put a clip in the beginning where like he's really like you know a normal dude, and then we'll show where they like burn him and stuff, and then that way it's not really Nightmare on Elm Street twelve, it's Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street two. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know what's and funny? Then, I'm tempted to see it, and I'll tell you why. Number one, I'm not paying full price for it. That's right. that's a that's a given. That's not a ten dollar movie. Fuck, that's not even a nine dollar movie. That's a six fifty. 11 a.m. special. That's number one. Number two, I want to see what Jackie Earl Haley is capable of and can he carry a film by himself. I want to see that. Yeah, if he, if he 
takes up the Rob the the Robert England mantle, fuck it, let that be it. But I want to see if he can do that, and that's what I'm actually interested in seeing more so the body of work than how Freddy Krueger looks, because you can't really fuck it up. His face is burnt. He wears a shitty sweater and an old man hat and a glove with a whole bunch of knives on it. You can't really fuck that up. You know, ironically enough, that's more like an Indiana Jones hat, if you think about it. <laughs> uh, you know, You're right, I'm yeah. Just I'm just throwing that out there. If he had a whip, he'd be badass. But, um, yeah, you know, it, 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 it's not a movie I'm going to pay to go see. Of course, uh, the only thing I do, one of the main things that I'm happy about is that it's a horror movie that's come out lately that was not directed by Rob Zombie. So you know it's going to be a little bit, yeah, a little bit better than bad, you know. Well, you know, I like that, but I got a better one for you. It's the first horror movie in a while that's been rated R. Oh, there you go. See, that's that. Because remember, PG-13 horror flicks, man. That's where it's at. Yeah, for the kids. Everybody loves that stuff, you know. Like, oh, my oh, God. I, I always hated that because you always thought there was a booby shot coming, and then you're just like, no, this is PG-13. She's going to turn. Oh, there's the camera. Okay. Damn. There you go. And then they die. So. Oh, what oh, can okay. you do? So, right. Well, with that uh, said, yeah. the, big, the big plug, Tuesday, 10 o'clock, Tumbling with Tumbleweed, catch Mr. Anderson uh, delivering yeah. his rhetoric on a, unadulterated and uncensored on the Blog Talk Radio Network. R- ranting about the double down. Nice. And, yeah, and how my kids can't Please, the Did you eat one for me? Did yeah, you I, eat I, one? I ate one. Yeah, I ate one. And you're still alive? God bless you. <laughs> Dude, you, know, you know, you know, you know what the you know what the, the plan is. I'm going to ruin it so nobody even will go listen to my show. But uh, the the idea is to go ahead and separate it and have it as two pieces of separate chicken and eat it as such, because then you're not consuming the whole thing in such a quick time. Nice. You like that? I'll tell you this. I tell you this, you know what the insult to me is? That you get cheese and bacon and you don't and you get it on fried chicken. But yeah. the insult to me as a person who actually takes his health semi seriously is the fact that you can get a grilled chicken version with right. cheese and bacon on it. They're like, Oh, we can do that. We can just grill it and then that way it's not as bad for you. Because but it has fucking bacon on it, you fucks. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no. See, that's the thing. It's not real bacon. You're all right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, fucking it's, bacon. It's, it's, it's fake KFC bacon. You know. Ugh. Uh, all right. Yeah. That, yeah. All right, Donnie. So, thank you very much. Hey, uh, uh, good stuff. More Thanks a lot, day. brother. Always appreciate the support. You got it. All right, man. Later. I see Slick has his hand raised, so I'm I'm assuming he's got something. Slick. Yeah, man. Uh-oh. We got a yeah, man, and a, and a slow breathing. Let's hear it. Donnie just brought up a really good point. It's like, it could have just been Nightmare on Elm Street 12. And he just described Freddy. I'm like, yeah, he's got a tattered hat, a shitty sweater, some old man pants, and a glove with some knives on it. And he's like a skinny pervert dude yeah who does this remind you of freddy krueger's a pedophile exactly you could don't call this shit nightmare on elm street get the 4chan clan out there and make them go run and see this movie make a new fucking killer make the pedal bear movie 
Oh God! He has his yeah, own it's... natural. He's got his own natural claws. He's a tall, skinny pedophile, and he's gonna feel up the little young girl just like Freddy. Well, you know what? You'll be in luck because there's actually a game similar to that called Naughty Bear, which I'm assuming is gonna involve some sort of pedo bear action. Oh. Yeah. So look up Naughty Bear and get back to me. <laughs> yes, sir. I'll All right, my dude. If you want it. Right, oh, yeah, man. it's going to – oh, yeah, it's 55 minutes, so you're going to love the the other gems that are coming. Here we go. All right. All right. All right, back into some news. Marvel Studios said they wanted to do more superhero films, like I was saying earlier, with a budget of $20 million to $40 million, featuring some quote-unquote third-tier characters. Filmmakers are being offered characters that are mainly known to hardcore comic fans, characters like Doctor Strange. Kazar, Luke Cage, Dazzler, and the Power Pack may one day grace the silver screen, either in animated or live-action form. So there you go. Marvel is now going to start cranking out shitbag superhero flicks to keep the good superhero flicks company. It gets better. Twilight's Kristen Stewart is rumored to be Timor... Fuck, I can't say this Russian guy's name... Beckman Bedoff's choice to take over Angelina Jolie's role in the sequel to Wanted. The director has previously said that he wants to find a way to bring back Jolie's character for the second film, despite her death in the first one. Jolie is out of the sequel due to scheduling issues. No production date has been set for Wanted 2 or for Breaking Dawn, the conclusion of the Twilight Saga, which Stewart is committed to. So there you go. Kristen Stewart may take over for Angelina Jolie in Wanted. Absorb that and have fun with it. The Green Hornet, already destined for failure, has moved its release date from December 22nd to January 14th, 2011. In addition, it was confirmed that the film will be released in 3D. Yes. 3D. That's okay, though. Gets better. Sony Rep has said that the movie is being pushed back to avoid a gaggle of 3D movies slated for release at the end of the year. The 3D movies that are coming out, get this. Tron Legacy, 3D. Smurfs, 3D. Yogi Bear, 3D. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1, 3D. Gulliver's Travels, 3D. And the Chronicles of Narnia, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader are all going to be in 3D. So... The Green Hornet in 3D is going to be just as interesting. Whoopie fucking do. Gets better. According to a report, director Breck Eisner from The Crazies is negotiating to remake Escape from New York. The film has been rumored to be a remake in the past for several years. Versions of the script by Ken Nolan, Jonathan Mostow, and Alan Loeb still exist. But it is said to be Loeb's version that Eisner is working with. The story is a mix of the original film as well as an origin story for Snake Plissken. So, there you go. Escape from New York being brought back yet again. In addition, Sony is going to be converting The Last Airbender to 3D as well. That conversion is going to cost between 5 and $10 million, and it's going to be done by Stereo D, who, of course, made Avatar. So, I guarantee you that that 3D is actually going to be more well done than the 3D from Clash of the Titans. As such, in discussing Avatar, Avatar crushed the Blu-ray sales with a record-setting 1.5 million Blu-ray... Actually, yeah, 1.5 million Blu-ray units sold the first day, 
This destroyed the old Blu-ray record of 600,000 set by The Dark Knight back in 2008. Retailers sold 60% of their Blu-ray inventory and 50% of their DVD inventory for Avatar on the first day. The expectation is that Avatar will sell 4 million combined Blu-ray and DVD units. Uh, 20th Century Fox has said since then, since its release date, Avatar has already eclipsed the 1.5 million mark with 2.7 million Blu-rays since its release. That's $130 million in sales in addition to the $2.7 billion that it's already made. There's no stopping it. Now, I will say this. If people care about the 3D, wait until the good good one, whatever one it's going to be. If you want to see the movie now, Definitely pick it up on Blu-ray. Picture quality is phenomenal. Audio quality is fantastic. Plot, Fern Gully. Look, I'm not telling you that the movie is fucking fantastic. We know it's not that great. But in terms of visual effects, if you want something to show off your TV and home theater, definitely check it out. That I can say. I'm not co-signing to the movie I'm not co-signing to the awesomeness of the Navi people, because I frankly don't give a shit. But the fact is that in terms of a showpiece and something to show off your home theater, definitely something that you should pick up. That's all I'm saying. Um, In a little bit of TV news, the Cartoon Network, a network which I love dearly, is planning on remaking Looney Tunes. The updated show will be about the classic Looney Tunes characters living in the suburbs with Yosemite Sam, Tweety, and Sylvester as their neighbors. There's also going to be a revival of the Merry Melodies music video series, with characters performing songs, as well as a CGI Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote short as well. There's also plans from the Cartoon Network to do an animated series based on Mad Magazine, and they're also going to do an animated series based on the Young Justice cartoon. So, with that being said, it seems Warner Brothers is trying to lease out their properties, and the Cartoon Network is trying to create some more original programming. How, how successful that's going to be, who knows? I haven't watched the Cartoon Network in a while, so I'm definitely interested in seeing what kind of a modern spin they're going to give on some of these old fan favorites. Moving on, Columbia Pictures may be forced to recast Ghost Rider for Ghost Rider 2 if Nicolas Cage cannot commit to making the film this year. The reports are stating that since Nicolas Cage is working on a third National Treasure movie, there is a possibility that they will need a new actor to take over the Ghost Rider franchise. Does anybody really give a shit about Ghost Rider at this point? No. Nobody even cares about Nicolas Cage that much. Whatever, when it comes out, I'll see it. But until then, it's, it's not really hurting me if it's not out in theaters. Not bugging me in the least. In terms of box office numbers this week, how to Train Your Dragon took back the number one spot, earning $15 million in its, six week. in its sixth week. The film has grossed $178 million with a budget of $165. There's already talk of a sequel, folks. The backup plan, Jennifer Lopez's abysmal attempt to try and get back into the hearts and minds of millions, had actually was number two this week. It made $12.2 million and has a budget of $35 million. Date Night was number three. It made $10.6 million, a three-week total of 63.5. It is profitable. It has broken the budget of $55 million, so definitely profitable for Mr. Carell and Miss Faye. Uh, the Losers debuted at number four, $9.6 million on a $25 million budget. 
Kick-Ass dropped to number five. Uh, it earned $9.5 million. It's made $34.9 million. It's already surpassed its $30 million budget. Clash of the Titans dropped to number six. I'm actually going to do a quick review of that during the broadcast, hopefully. Um, it earned $9 million. It has a four-week total of 145.6. It's going to add up a budget of $125 million. Death, is a, Death at a Funeral, which should be for all the actors involved, uh, came in at number seven. Oceans in the, is the third debut of the week, $6 million. The last song is number nine, and Alice in Wonderland is number ten. Moving on, Ridley Scott decided to enlighten us on the big screen adaptation of Monopoly. Monopoly. Monopoly the movie. No, let, let, me, let me make it a little clearer for you guys. Ridley Scott, Gladiator, Robin Hood, Aliens, Monopoly. That's it. Monopoly. I'll say it again. Monopoly the fucking movie. He said the following. On if the game will be referenced in the movie other than the title. His response, yes, absolutely. It's a Hasbro film and they gave the game and they and they have the game. That was a tough thing to crack in terms of the screenplay because first off, many would want to integrate literally the shaking of the dice and the throwing of the dice into the board. I couldn't really get past that. No shit. I wanted to just make a movie about the idea of greed. I told him, you know your game can turn your sweetest dearest aunt into a demon, a nightmare of greed. So that's what we're going to do. Here's the information on the plot. The main character wakes up all groggy, goes down to buy some coffee, reaches into his pocket. All he has is Monopoly money. All the Monopoly money pours out. He's confused and embarrassed, and the girl reaches across the counter and says, that's okay. She gives him change in Monopoly money. He walks outside, and he's in a very vibrant place, Monopoly City. And he's just come out of the chance shop. As it goes on, he takes on the evil Parker brothers in the game of Monopoly. Yeah. That is the plot. That is the idea. That is the synopsis from the guy that gave us fucking Gladiator. Dear Hollywood, fuck you. Thanks. But it gets better. Because Brad Fuller from Platinum Dooms recently spoke on the remake of one of my favorite movies, The Monster Squad. The Monster Squad is one of my favorite movies from my childhood because Wolfman has nards. That's all. Favorite movie. Ruined with the remake. Where's the project now, they asked Mr. Fuller. I'm in the process of finding a screenwriter. Hopefully he doesn't find one. I'm meeting with writers every day, so we'll get someone in the next two or three weeks and get them writing. Will he use new monsters or go with ones from the original? There's, that's something we're definitely talking to writers about, and I don't have an answer for you yet. How are you not going to go with the monsters from the original? Head meet desk. What about the storyline? We're definitely using the original film as a blueprint and love the fun parts of it. We have three or four different takes. Some stick closely to the original. Others are going to be a bit different. It's about sitting down with Rob Cohen, God, Rob Cohen, and the studio and figuring out which storyline we're going to go with. But I can tell you, 
all of the storylines, whereas Friday the 13th isn't like the original, this will be as close to the original as possible. It's about a group of kids who have a monster squad, monsters come to their town, and they've got to figure it out. Really? Really? Did you think that up all by yourself, Brad Fuller? Did you? Did you really think it up by yourself? No, you didn't. You borrowed it from something that was pivotal in my fucking childhood. Thanks for the rape. We got another call. Let's see who it is. Lord Helmet. That is me. What do you got? A giant what the fuck on everything you just said about Monopoly. Nice. I mean, what in the hell, man? That doesn't even make sense. Come on, you'll be working the ride. (laughs) Ooh, maybe if the Parker Brothers were an evil corporation and it was a matter of, like, high-powered, high-stakes, like, serious business stuff, not Monopoly money, stupid bullshit. Come on, man. Make it political. (laughs) Dark. You could do so much, but no. Dude, Monopoly's already a movie. It's called Wall Street. And it's Gordon Gecko. That's all this is. Wall Street with Monopoly. Ugh. That's all I gotta say right now about that. How bad is that, dude? Uh, anyway, I'm looking at the chat. They say snakes on a ladder. You know, like shoot some ladder snakes on a ladder. They could probably do that and make it better than Monopoly. Uh-huh. It's ridiculous. But I figured, I figured I told you it was going to get crazy tonight. And Monopoly the movie was going to be it. But tr- rest assured, it's going to get better. Oh, I'll, I'll yeah. dial then. All right, my brother. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. All right, peace. Later. Well, you know, I got to talk about the Smurfs because, you know, it wouldn't be an episode of My Take Radio without talking about the Smurfs. Deadline is reporting that Paul Rubens is being cast in the Smurfs movie. He will, have, he will be voicing the character Jokey Smurf, as opposed to jerking off in a movie theater Smurf. Okay, then. He joins a voice cast, which includes Jonathan Winters as Papa Smurf, Katy Perry as Smurfette, uh, George Lopez as Grouchy Smurf, and Alan Cummings as Gutsy Smurf versus Fudge Packing Smurf. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris, Sofia Vergara, Jayma Mays, and Hank Azaria will have live-action roles in the film. But it gets better. The Daily Show's John Oliver is going to be Vanity Smurf, Saturday Night Live's least funny black guy, Kenan Thompson, and Fred Armisen as Greedy Smurf and Brady Smurf, The Office's B.J. Novak as Baker Smurf, comedian Jeff Foxworthy as Handy Smurf as opposed to Redneck Smurf, Wolfgang Puck as Chef Smurf, and Gary Basaraba as Hefty Smurf, and Star Trek's Anton Yelchin as Clumsy Smurf. How about Dumb Smurf, Stupid Smurf, and Nobody Gives a Fuck About This Movie Smurf? How about them? No? Nothing? No one? Anyone? Slick gets nine line of the night for Chris Rock as N-word Smurf. <laughs> And I had to use N-word Smurf because it's really not something I want to go and drop right now because Al Sharpton might come knocking on my door. But um, gets better, though. Deadline, because they're putting out tons of great news this week, announced that Warner Brothers will be moving ahead with a sequel to Clash of the Titans. 
They will have to find a new director, though, because Louis Leterrier, who directed the first film, will remain on as, as an executive producer but will not direct the sequel. There are no details for a director at this time, but they want to be able to get Jack Sam Worthington back before he starts filming the sequel to Avatar. Yeah. So, Clash of the Titans 2 is coming out, and I'll take a few minutes and give you guys my quick review. I went to see Clash of the Titans with my fiancé, uh, matinee showing. First off, didn't see it in 3D because I heard it sucked, and I'm glad I didn't. And the fact is, I went in there with a very open mind. I knew I wasn't going to get the same quote-unquote magic that the original Clash of the Titans delivered, but I will tell you this. The original Clash of the Titans wasn't a movie you would consider to be serious in storyline. When the Greek gods had really shiny suits and all that shit in the original, you knew you were watching a B-movie. You know, Ray Harryhausen did a uh, fantastic job with the, with the animation and the characters, and that's what you were watching. The, his work was the star of the movie. This newest interpretation of Clash of the Titans stemmed from the fact that it was using modern Hollywood special effects to bring a classic to life. It's a remake of a B-movie. That's how I took it. It's a remake of a B-movie. I'm not expecting it to be great. Needless to say, it was exactly that, a remake of a B-movie. It was fun. It was worth the six bucks I paid. If you want to check it out, you should. Don't pay full price or rent it on Netflix. I'll tell you straight up. It's a rental. It's a cool movie. Special effects are pretty cool. Um, Ray Fiennes played Hades, which is pretty much him playing Voldemort, just with more hair. Um... I really like Liam Neeson's take as Zeus. Very well done. Um, in terms of Sam Worthington, he's the go-to guy. He's the poor man's action star. You know what I mean? He's pretty cool, but not so cool that you'd want him in like a super blockbuster, but cool enough for everything else. He is my equivalent of what Rutger Hauer was in the 80s. Kind of mainstream, kind of cool, but not awesome enough to carry a movie on his own. Nonetheless, I enjoyed it. If they do a sequel, eh, I'm fine with it. I think that Clash of the Titans will look cool on Blu-ray. I definitely have to say that. Um, very effects-driven movie. Um, they're not putting the 3D version on the Blu-ray from what I've been hearing. And the cool thing is that when you do get it on Blu-ray, you will be able to get a sneak peek of Green Lantern. So it actually, it actually has me a little bit excited to pick it up. But overall, Clash of the Titans definitely a rental. I recommend checking it out just because, like I said, the special effects were cool. That's it. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to fucking talk about the awesomeness of how great it was. Nonetheless, um, moving on, uh, IMAX continues to rape our pockets because Warner Brothers recently announced that they signed a huge 20-picture deal with IMAX, which will go through 2010 all the way, to, all the way through 2013. Under the agreement, Warner Brothers movies will be released in IMAX. The movies are as follows. Legends of the Guardian, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, Happy Feet 2. Mind you, these are all in 3D. The Hobbit. And they're also going to have 15 additional films, such as Gravity, Dark Shadows, which will only be in IMAX and not 3D yet. Fury Road, Batman 3, and an unnamed Superman project are all going to be in 3D. So IMAX is going to continue just helping 
movie franchises make more money with asterisks just off the basis that their ticket prices are going to be higher. Hollywood is being very smart in signing these partnership deals with IMAX because you're going to want to enjoy whatever movie it is, excuse me, with the most grandiose scale possible. IMAX delivers that at a premium, which will, of course, add more money to box office receipts. It should be interesting for sure. MJAG Productions and Platinum Studios are partnering to bring the Platinum Studios comic Blood Nation to the big screen. Basically, the concept of Blood Nation, which is a comic book, is a World War movie set in the future where humans and vampires have divided up the planet and have not yet made peace with each other. The concept sounds kind of cool. Once again, digging into the uh, graphic novel comic book dungeon, so to speak, to bring out these really niche projects. It, it's really weird, but um, again, I'll reserve judgment. I'll wait a little bit, see if I get any more news on it, but if anybody has read this comic book and is a fan, you're going to get a movie about it, but it gets better. You know how I talked about the Monster Squad being a pivotal movie in my childhood that I enjoyed? One of the first R-rated movies I saw was a classic, and that, my friends, is Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm more than sure. I'm more than sure all of you have seen it. You know, Mendelssohn, Steve Bennett, all that shit. Well, in the continuing raping of my childhood favorite movies, they are going to remake Commando. It will be directed by David Ayer, who did Training Day, Street Kings, and Harsh, Harsh Times. He's actually writing the script, sorry. And uh, Owen Stoff and John Davis are producing. The report says that the Ayer reimagining will have a more real-world feel than the original. The remake will keep the original premise, but will see the main character be more of a covert operative. It's translation, men on fire. That's what you're going to get. Covert. It's honestly... Once again, this better be really awesome because I see it destined for failure. But you know how all of you guys were up in arms about the Monopoly movie and how fucking shitty it's going to be and blah, blah, blah. Here is a good one. Ready for this? Deadline New York is reporting that Paramount has optioned the rights to make a movie based on Mattel's Magic 8-Ball. The deal was put together by Paramount Group President Adam Goldman, who should be beaten, and John Gunn and John Mann writing the script. Paramount is also working on the film version of Mattel's Max Steel. So you get the Max Steel movie, which I already shit on, and then you're going to get a movie about the magic eight ball. You know the eight ball that you say, is my son gay? And you shake it, and a, and a little triangle floats up and goes, I don't know. That's what you're going to get. You're going to get the Magic 8-Ball movie. So enjoy it. I hope, again, that 2012 comes and the world just explodes so I don't have to see that. It's, it's really terrible. Oh, my God. When I was writing the show notes earlier this evening and I wrote this down, I said to myself, I can't even believe I'm writing this. I can't even believe there's a Magic 8-Ball movie. Oh, oh God. We, we are doomed. We're, look, the Mayan calendar says the world's going to end in 2012. No. The, the Mayan calendar is wrong. We're going to end the world putting out shit like this. 
Al-Qaeda is just going to come over here and make us watch their television programs to make up for all the shit we crank out that's probably being bootlegged in Afghanistan. It, it, it really is terrible. It really is fucking terrible. I can't even look at the screen with a straight face and tell you guys that I'm joking. Look up Deadline New York and look up the Magic 8-Ball, and you'll see I'm not lying. It really is happening, folks. Iron Man 2 comes out May 7th, but it's already been released worldwide in six territories. The film has already made $2 million already. Those are good numbers for territories that it opened in 1.6 million. 1.6 million of the 2.2 was from France. The original Iron Man grossed $580 million worldwide. The film opened in 55 other markets today and opens in the U.S. on May 7th. If it opened in 55 other markets today, that means that the bootleg will be on torrents by next week. Guaranteed. It, it's crazy. I mean, I'm going to go see it in the theater just because I, I'm trying to support the big screen Marvel projects, but the fact that it's already out and it's already making money means it's already being bootlegged. So, sad but true. For those of you that are fans of Anchorman and Ron Burgundy and were expecting a sequel, not happening. Adam McKay, the director of Anchorman, tweeted the following today. So bummed, Paramount basically passed on Anchorman 2, even after we cut our budget down. We tried. To all who asked, we can't do Anchorman 2 at another studio. Paramount owns it. Anchorman was funny after repeated viewings. The first time I watched it, I actually thought it was subpar and really not that funny. But nonetheless, I'm kind of sad to not hear any more jazz flute. So, no Anchorman sequel, folks. Yay. Um, I actually want to talk about an interesting article about Thor. Uh, one of the actors that's in the movie Thor is Idris Elba, who is in The Losers. He's a black British actor. And he's actually in Thor, and he's been cast as Heimdall in Marvel's upcoming Thor flick. And he took the opportunity to respond to some fan outrage over the casting as a black man in a role traditionally perceived as white. Now, before I get into what he said, I really want to discuss something. The fact of the matter is, Samuel L. Jackson is playing Nick Fury. If you read Ultimate Marvel books, Nick Fury is black. But for those that don't read Ultimate Marvel books, they know Nick Fury to be white. And they're going to be like, the fuck is this black guy thinking being Nick Fury? That's what's happening with his particular character in Thor, because they feel that a black man can't play a Nordic character. Look, certain things have to remain the way they are. Captain America being a white guy is just what people are used to, because that's the presentation that's given. If you're talking about a secondary character in a, in, in a large saga like Thor, in a large production like Thor, and he's black, who gives a fuck? So what if the, if the god is Nordic? How about this? How about when you're a god and a god appears before you, people can perceive that god in anything that's pleasing to them? It's like the argument about Jesus. Jesus is black. Jesus is white. Buddha is fat. Buddha's skinny. Buddha has hair. You know, Muhammad can't be seen. Muhammad wears a bear suit. Look, the fact of the matter is that people, the priorities of, of people in general are very, very skewed. When you're digging that deep into a movie because the guy is black, 
Who gives a shit? It's, it's ridiculous. It, it really is absurd that people are going that deep into the fact that a black guy is playing a Nordic god. Who cares? How about caring about the fact that the movie may or may not be good? It really is unfortunate that these are the type of things that people are actually really wasting brain cells on. Look, there's going to be times when nothing is going to be ideal. When the concept of Captain America possibly being black was brought up, people automatically shit on it. When an origin comic was put out depicting how Captain America, the original one, could have been African American, oh, okay, people were accepting of the fact. But the fact of the matter is, we sh in 2010, we should be beyond black and white. We should, we should be beyond color barriers, regardless of what it is. If you want to make Spider-Man Hispanic and call him El Hombre Araña, go ahead. People aren't going to watch it, but you're entitled to that freedom. That's what, we, that's what we're entitled to. And the fact is, if a black guy who has great acting talent is chosen to be involved in this project, who are we to complain? It's ridiculous. He said the following. There's been a lot of debate about it. Can a black man play a Nordic character? Hang about Thor's mystical, mythical, right? Thor has a hammer that flies to him when he clicks his fingers. That's okay. But the color of my skin is wrong. He added that he was playing Heimdall as Norse by way of Hackney Canning Town. I was cast in Thor, and I was cast as a Nordic god. I think that's a sign of the times of the future. The actor's agent was quoting and saying that Elba did the movie because he liked the script and liked the movie, and he had always wanted to work with Kenneth Branagh. It wasn't like a statement, oh, I'm going to do this. It's always a purely creative decision. It really disturbs me, again, that these are the things that, that people rationalize to really care about. Our economy's in the shitter. People are fucking dying. And this is what people really take to the streets to complain about. It's really absurd. Who cares? It's not like Thor is black. If somebody said Thor is black, I'd be like, I don't know if that's going to work. Blonde-haired, blue-eyed, really big white guy. Might not work. But if it's a secondary character, who gives a shit? It really, it really is, as a geek or a nerd, to use those terms, it really fucking ruffles my fucking feathers. And, and the fact that I even said ruffles my feathers that means I should be punched in the face. But nonetheless, it really irritates me that this is the stuff that people hop on when there's tons of other shit to complain about, like the Magic 8-Ball movie, the Battleship movie, the Max Steel movie. The Mighty Mouse. I can go down a list of shit that I've talked about in 40 episodes that's worse than a black man playing a Nordic god. It really is absurd. People, people are fucking retarded. But with that being said, that actually wraps up this week's show. I actually got a lot of bile and venom out of my a lot of bile and venom out of my system um, in an hour and seven minutes. Well, in two hours and seven minutes, I should say. Nonetheless, um, a few things just to reinforce what I discussed earlier. Stop by the forums, mytakeradio.com slash forums, F-O-R-U-M-S. It is forums, plural, not forum. Um, as always, continue going to mytakeradio.com. I will be putting up some stuff tonight, probably a trailer for Dead Space 2, 
uh, the Jonah Hex trailer with a small article about that. Of course, tune in and show your support for guys like Slick, Bronx, Mortis, uh, my fiance Andrea, who put a lot of work into some of the great content that's going into the site. Um, within the next few days, I will ask all staff members to please forward me a paragraph description uh, of telling the listeners a little bit about yourselves, just in case people like to read a certain person's work. A certain person's work, they should be entitled to know a little bit about them. Uh, that's a homework assignment for any of the My Take Radio staffers that are listening. Um, nonetheless. Um, the site is growing. I'm actually working on possibly moving to a new host, so mytakeradio.com may possibly be down within the next two weeks. Um, just because the site seems to load a little bit slow and the hosting company I'm using is kind of shitty, um, I thought GoDaddy was the solution, but obviously it's not. That's still in a preliminary stage. I'm also working on another special project, um, not My Take Radio related, but it's going to require the assistance of the gaming community. Um, it's just a way of just giving back. And when this project comes to fruition, I know a lot of you are going to jump on board. Um, those of you that already know about it, by all means, please don't share any details until it's official. But rest assured, it's going to be something that all of you are going to be proud of being associated with. So definitely keep an eye out on MyTakeRadio.com or on the MyTakeRadio fan page on Facebook, and you'll get news about that. If you're not a fan yet, Stop on Facebook and become a fan. Show your support. Um, it'll be another way to keep in contact with some of the new articles and stuff that are posted on the site. And, of course, keep in contact with some of the ranting, the rantings and ravings that I put on there as well. Um, again, congratulations to Alex for winning the Super Street Fighter 4 uh, for Xbox 360 from our forum contest. And with that being said, I just want to, of course, give a couple of shout-outs and a couple of plugs to people that have been on the show and continue to support it. Um, RazorClothing.tv, that's for UFC assistant coach and former WEC lightweight champion Razor Rob McCullough. If you want to check out some of the cool clothing that he offers, head over to RazorClothing.tv. Consequences Creed, my guest last week, uh, gamer, wrestling, pro wrestler, all-around awesome guest. Um, check out his site if you want to see if he's in your local area wrestling uh, GoCreedGo.com. You can also look for him on Twitter at Austin Creed. And, you know, you can talk to him, talk about some gaming and some wrestling. Of course, a good, big shout-out to the OC Remix crew, Larry OG, DJ Pretzel, and those guys doing fantastic work. Uh, the guys from The Deadliest Warrior, again, great supporters of the show, have been on twice already. Uh, Max Geiger's uh, video game project, you can check that out at GiantSparrow.com. Uh, Dr. Armand Dorian, his energy drink uh, with Reservatol. Head over to drinkdocs.com, drinkdox.com. Of course, the ladies from Girl Gamer who continue to support the show on a consistent basis, props to them. Stop over to their site, girlgamer.com, and check it out. Um, MMAgospel.com, Wednesdays on the Blog Talk Radio Network at 8 p.m. They were part of our MMA fight panel. Definitely Check their show out if you're an MMA fan. Also, head over to fighters.com for more MMA news. Uh, shout out to Josh from MMAValor.com. Check out his site if you want to be up to date on some of the new goings-on with the Ultimate Fighter, as well as some of the cool clothing, upcoming clothing companies that are putting stuff out. Um, MMAHotStuff.com, of course, with Rachel and her other website, MMA Socialites. Uh, the Darksiders crew, head over to Darksiders.com. 
or HaydenDalton.wordpress.com for uh, keeping in touch with all the stuff that Hayden is working on. Brooks McBeth should be back soon. He's actually going to be in New York, so I'm hoping to have him on again. You can look for him on MySpace.com slash Brooks McBeth or Brooks the Comedian or on YouTube slash Brooks McBeth. Of course, the VGN radio crew for all their support. Don Anderson tumbling with Tumbleweed on Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Um, wow, a lot of people i got to thank. RoyalTresses.etsy.com. Go there for any video game sprite artwork created by Dem. She is a uh, MySpace forum member, friend of the show, all-around awesome person. Definitely go stop by. She makes really great video game crafts. Stop by her site and check it out. Cleveland Sports Radio, of course, part of the VGN network. Um, I'm on there time to time talking MMA. If you like sports, definitely check them out. Born Stubborn Radio, got to give them a shout-out. They actually helped uh, design the My Take Radio business cards for some of the My Take Radio staff members. Uh, Blaine from Born Stubborn Radio does a badass job. And if you're a fan of all the shit I talk about, go check out BornStubbornRadio.com as well. Uh, 411mania.com for their wrestling, movies, music, and MMA news. MMAJunkie.com. FilmDrunk.com, actually, got to give them a shout-out. Lance from FilmDrunk.com will be joining me, I believe, May 13th. So definitely, definitely tune into that. If you think my views on movies are fucked up, his movies are just, his views are just as crazy. So stop by and check that out as well. And with that being said, folks, that is the end of this week's episode. You just heard My Take Radio episode 40 for Thursday, April 29th, 2010. If you want to email me about any show feedback, um, to be a potential guest or any site suggestions or any links or any other shit, mtrhost at gmail.com is the email address. You can also follow me on Twitter. It's twitter.com slash akuma25, A-K-U-M-A. That's my personal account. And if you want to keep up to date with all the goings-on of My Take Radio, you can follow My Take Radio on Twitter as well. It's twitter.com slash My Take Radio. My Take Radio is also on Facebook. Check out the fan page and also on MySpace, myspace.com slash mytakeradio. That's it, folks. Another one in the books. Onwards to episode 50. Catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening, and thanks for all the calls. See you guys next week. Peace. Thank <laughs> you.